let us pray. So, Father, on this Christmas morning, we come to you with grateful hearts, and indeed we do sing, Gloria to God in the highest. May your name be lifted high. May you be exalted in our midst this day as we give you great thanks and praise for all that you have done for us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. Good morning again, everyone, and Merry Christmas. It's so good to see all of you here on this Christmas morning. And again, good morning to everyone watching via the live stream. We're so glad that you've joined us as well. Um, Father Jed told me things are very quiet around his house this morning, <laughs> just like they were at my house early this morning. But I'm so glad that you all are here. <clears throat> Our gospel reading this morning is my very favorite text in all of Scripture. And it is always one of the two gospel reading options for Christmas Day, the other being Luke chapter 2 that we heard proclaimed last night. This prologue to St. John's Gospel is such an incredibly rich and profound passage of Scripture. It contains far more truth and richness that we, than we could ever plumb fully today. Um, but I want to focus this morning primarily on verse 14. Verse 14 of John chapter 1 describes the wonderful way in which God's glory has been revealed in this world through Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah, writing some 700 years earlier, foretold that through Jesus' ministry, God's glory would be revealed. Where in chapter 40 of Isaiah we read, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Everything found in verses 1 through 13 of the prologue of John's Gospel points toward these words in verse 14. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. This is the central event in all of human history. The Word Jesus Christ the eternally existed Son of God came to this world as a man. As a newborn baby that we think of during this Christmas season lying in a manger, even as we heard read last night in St. Luke's Gospel. Yet we know that he was not just a baby, but he was eternally existent. John chapter 1 affirms this reality. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Lifeway Research, which is a Southern Baptist organization, did a study or a survey in December of 21 and 2021, and they found this out. Among the religiously unaffiliated people in this country, less than 15% believed that the Son of God existed before he was born in Bethlehem. Now, for folks that are completely unaffiliated, that would make sense, what we call these days nuns, if you will. But among Christians or people who claim to be Christian, who attend church, four or more times a month. Now hear that, four or more times a month. 
Only 63% believed the Son of God existed before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And that's incredibly troubling. Because while belief is embracing God and, and, and accepting the salvation God has given, it is, it is heart, faith, and right belief that makes one a Christian. And there are things that Christians can agree to disagree on. But the eternal existence of the Son of God is not one of those things. To not hear me, and I know I'm preaching to the choir on Christmas morning for the most part, but to reject the, the truth that Jesus is the eternally existent Son of God puts you outside the camp. You cannot be a Christian and believe that Jesus did not exist as the eternal Son of God for all time and eternity. Now, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't somehow cease to be the Word, God the Son, in any way when he broke into human time and history as a man. Instead, in coming to earth as a man, we see Jesus exercising his role as God, the eternal Word, to his fullest extent. And St. Paul elaborates on this in Galatians, where we read, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his, forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus broke into human time and history, still retaining all the fullness of his deity. And at the same time, Jesus was fully human. The Word became flesh. And in this statement, John chooses, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, his wording very carefully. Became flesh is, in, in, the, in the Greek, actually a very coarse way of saying things. But John said, became flesh in this coarse way, so that there could be no mistaking of this reality. Jesus, God the Word, did not just appear to be human. Rather, he took on full humanity, becoming one of us, yet without sin. The Word, Jesus, lived among us for a while. As verse 14 says, He dwelt among us. And in saying this, in saying that He dwelt among us, John utilizes Old Testament imagery that in our modern world we would sometimes miss where a Jew would not miss this. Because the imagery here points back to the Old Testament and the tabernacle in the wilderness. God made his dwelling. He tabernacled. He, if you will, pitched his tent among us by sending his son. What an incredible truth to ponder. Through Jesus coming to earth, through his incarnation, God's presence has come to us in a very special, unique, and profound way. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. <clears throat> we, humanity, his creation, have seen God's glory. In Jesus, the Word made flesh. Yet most people missed this very demonstration of God's glory that was before their eyes. And the question we have to ask is why and how could they have missed it? 
When we look at this Bible, the biblical record, there are a whole host of possible reasons. And there are also lessons for us to learn as well, so that you and I do not miss God's glory among us as he comes among us as well. So I want to talk about three possible reasons that they missed God's glory briefly this morning. Now, some of these I know I may have talked about in one way or another to some extent in past sermons, but they merit considering again because this truth that God came among us and revealed his glory to us through his son is so essential for you and me to understand. The first reason they missed God's glory was that the way in which God revealed his glory wasn't what people expected. As you've heard me say, and you've heard many others say as well, in Jesus' day, many were looking for a military ruler, a conquering king to overthrow or cast off Israel's Roman oppressors. They were thinking in terms of earthly, temporal glory. But God's reality was a paradox. It looked to them like a contradiction. Because the glory of God revealed in Jesus was not at all what they were expecting. It didn't fit their preconceived, limited human understanding of God's glory. Understandings that were rooted and trapped in their immediate context. And we can be vulnerable to doing the same thing. We want God, or many people want a God, who will fix all their problems. To make all the consequences of sinful wrong choices they have made go away. Yes, we are forgiven, but sin has consequences. Or some people want a great jack-in-the-box in the sky, as I call it. And, you know, they want God just to be out of sight and out of the way while they do their own thing. But then when they need something, they want to crank the box and up pops God at their beck and command to do what they want. Or they want a cosmic Santa Claus who's doling out earthly riches and success. None of that has anything to do with God's true glory. God's true glory was not seen or demonstrated through outward splendor in Christ's first coming. Now it will be, as Scripture records, in His second coming. Instead, in Christ's first coming, God showed His glory within the lowliness and humility with which the Son of God lived among us. As Isaiah records in chapter 53, For He grew up before Him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. And this holds true from Christ's birth, through all of his earthly ministry, even until and through his death. No beauty that we should desire him. Nothing that the world said was of great value. Yes, God's glory was seen in the miracles that Jesus performed. Yes, indeed, God's glory was seen on the Mount of Transfiguration. But hear me, God's glory was seen ever more profoundly in the cross of Christ. And we'll come back to that a little bit later. But none of this was at all what most people were expecting, especially those in positions of power and wealth who simply wanted the promised one coming to buttress and firm up 
their position in society. <clears throat> the second reason people missed it is because it was bigger than what they expected. It may sound contradictory to say this, but it was true. We have seen His glory, or we have beheld His glory. To be able to look upon the glory of God was a seeming impossibility. People's experience of this in the Old Testament was always incomplete. Moses being the prime example of this in Exodus 33 where we read, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock while my glory passes by. But I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. When God revealed his character and grace and glory and truth to Moses at Sinai, it was incomplete. Moses only saw God's glory in part. But the full glory of God's grace and truth is revealed for all to see in Jesus Christ. It was far greater than they could have ever anticipated. Because God's true glory was there to be seen in the earthly life of Jesus, the Word made flesh. And indeed, it was seen by those who had eyes to see. St. John addresses and reiterates this truth in his first letter or epistle, where we read, That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. It was far bigger than what they expected. And then finally, it was uniquely glorious. <clears throat> God's glory was most profoundly demonstrated in an incredibly unique and glorious way. Because the ultimate expression of God's glory, His grace and truth in Jesus, was not demonstrated on Christmas, was not demonstrated in Christ's earthly ministry, but it was demonstrated through the cross. And just as people missed God's glory revealed in the rustic setting of the stable, they too missed it on the cross of Calvary. For without the cross there is no resurrection. There is no, there is no ascension. The cross of Jesus Christ in all of its shame is the truest demonstration and manifest, manifestation of God's glory. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, here's what he said. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, John 12, 23. 
And then again, when he was predicting Peter's denial, John 13, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. And then backing up to chapter 12, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus, the eternal word of God, hanging on a cross for all to see. And yet in the midst of this, they were looking upon the glory of God. The glory of God demonstrated through that which the world saw as a cursed foolishness, a stumbling block. Yet it was there for all to see, uniquely glorious. In the economy of this world, when viewed from the natural, the cross was and is hideous, grotesque, shameful, scandalous. Yet when we see it with God's eyes, yes, it is all of these things, but it is also glorious. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. On this Christmas, on this Lord's Day as well, and remember Sunday is always a commemoration and celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even when it is Christmas Day. It kind of closes the loop and brings everything together. On this Christmas Day, we, may we not miss God's glory, yes, revealed in the manger in Bethlehem and in Jesus' miracles, as we talked about, and on the Mount of Transfiguration, but most eloquently through the cross of Jesus Christ. And may we be careful this day and in the coming year to not miss how and when God reveals His glory to us afresh and when he reveals his glory in our midst, in profound moments of experiencing his presence because of the cross and resurrection in Jesus, revealing his glory when a life is transformed, when bondages are broken, when people are healed, when God breaks into seemingly hopeless circumstances, and makes all things new because yet again God continues in this season and every day as we seek him to reveal his glory in ways that are completely unexpected by the world around us. And yet he invites us this day to come in and to see and to experience his glory revealed. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for the glory of Jesus, the eternal Son of God, revealed, full of grace and truth. Thank you that we who trust in you from his fullness have received grace upon grace. This day of all days, may we not take that for granted. In our celebration, in our times 
around the table with friends and family. All wonderful, wonderful things. God, may we not miss your glory and your presence in our midst. Thank you that the word became flesh out of your great love and for our redemption. So Lord, this day we bless you. We praise you. We give you thanks. And indeed, we cry out to you. Glory to God in the highest. Amen.